Hi, and you're listening to the Mind Fruit Podcast, bringing you mental health and well-being promotion to help you live your best life. All information discussed on this podcast is research and evidence-based. However, is ultimately the opinions of the Mind Fruit Podcast. And this is not a substitute to seeking professional medical advice. Hello everyone, it's Carl and Fran here. We hope you've had a good week and are ready for Wellbeing Wednesday. Today we're going to challenge you to find the time to engage in something you enjoy. I'm going to play guitar. And if I know Fran, she'll probably do some colouring while watching a stream on Twitch. Too right, I will. That's the thing with me, guys. I'm very predictable. When I find something that works for me, that's it. I'll use it regularly. I have to remind myself to try new things every now and again. As you never know, eh? (laughs) Yeah. If you find something that works for you, though, we'd recommend to use that strategy or activities in times of need. But we'd encourage you to mix it up and try new things, perhaps when you're feeling well, so the result of it doesn't hold so much weight. Today we're going to be talking about social interaction and touching on relationships. Both these aspects are a massive part of our life day to day. And it's one of the things that have been impacted the most during lockdown. Therefore, I thought it would be a useful topic to discuss. Carl, do you want to start us off on social interaction? Yeah, yeah. So the importance of social interaction, man, where do I start? It's a big topic, isn't it? It's one of those things that makes human life so dramatic. We're just kind of bumping into each other, sending on each other messages all the time, you know. The fact that everyone feels as though they feel they need to celebrate the easing of lockdown says it all. We need that interaction. We went to the park today, didn't we? And it was it was amazing just to see people having mm. picnics and, and just people living life. Yeah, definitely. Having those interactions. It can make us feel so many things, can't it? Yeah. Like the way we communicate to people, like the one thing I'm going to point out is it's very personal and individualised. My social needs are completely different to friends, aren't they? Yeah. And my intentions for social interactions are different too. Um, We all have those different expectations, what we want from friends, what we want from social interactions. We can set different boundaries. We can have different interests, different um, common experiences. It's all part of this human life. So we're going to talk about different types of people for the first part. And there's two categories. So you have an introvert and an extrovert. These can overlap. So you'll find different characteristics of you in both. So an extrovert is someone who will thrive in group situations, usually gather in larger circle of friends or just collectively have a larger number of friends. These people are usually really quite good at entertaining a group. They're good hosts. Um, They seem to be able to charm everyone. A lot of the time, they can seem quite unafraid of risk and especially social risk. Um, They can put out some quite risky conversation um, topics and things like that. They're not afraid to kind of push those social boundaries to see kind of where they are. Um, They usually seem to be very in tune with people's social needs and can sometimes bridge gaps or communication barriers with introverted people and kind of bring them into the group like, pull them in with you know things that they like and things um sometimes they can crave social interaction and be quite unhappy when they're alone you know some of the people can fill up all their time with social interaction as a distraction from some of the issues that they're going through 
Like some of the biggest extroverts on the surface, like Robin Williams, for example, if you hear him in interviews, he's a different character to what he can be in real life. You know, so he could be really happy, but then when the lights are off and the party's over, sometimes he could suffer in silence. And like when it come out that he'd suffered from like extreme highs and then big crashes, people were like, well, I wouldn't have thought that. But it's just because people can act happy and like everything is well when they're just putting on a persona. So if this identifies with you, then maybe you could look into that. Yeah, yeah. These people can burn themselves out quickly if they don't pace themselves with some of the opposite. Like if you can't be happy on your own, then there's probably something wrong when you go a bit deeper. And this can come out in people when they aren't in groups and get some time to relax on their own. They build their whole identity around their social groups. And when people are having a down day and there's no one about, they can find themselves lost. So there's definitely value in taking some time in learning to do what makes you happy in that alone time. Yeah, definitely. Like me, I, I thrive in a group situation. I feed off people and I bounce off their emotions, I bounce off their banter. Um, have conversations and build on other people's stories being really interested in what people have to say and listen to people finishing the part of their conversation when other people lose interest or get interrupted because I've been that person in the past like you're still speaking and everyone's just um, gone on to another sub subject um, for that person to actually just listen to what you've got to say to end the conversation it's like it's just common courtesy isn't it yeah yeah i can empathize with people in these social situations like i like playing in bands i could probably learn to do so solo things but i think that'd bore me i like to share the experience with someone else but that depends on my mood and sometimes i can be the opposite I can have the urge to take a night to myself and since lockdown I'm not being funny to Fran here but I've craved this a lot so like when there's an opportunity for me to spend some alone time then I'll do it like I don't know if anyone else can relate to that like I feel myself going to work just to go get away from having Fran around me 24 7 as much as you like someone Working on stuff with them, like the podcast, and then living with them can be very, um, quite taxing on the relationship. It can be quite hard on it. Um, like that time of me going to work at a base is our space and distance. Those feelings of missing each other can be what we need to experience too. Um, you know, it's a contrast. We all have that in our life at times, I think. I have one friend where me and her can go months without seeing each other. We know we're in each other's lives, and if we called on each other, we'd be there for each other. Like, we text every now and again, but even that's kind of, you know, not all the time. We don't need to be in each other's pockets to maintain the friendship. And when we do see each other, it's great. We catch up on where each other's life is going, and it's as if we'd never been away at that point, you know. But yeah, I weren't always an extrovert. I had to learn it. And at one point in my life, I was very introvert. Like, I'd, I'd say I'd probably come across as arrogant at one point, like a bit of a hipster. Like I've always been into, like, truth-seeking or alternative thought, where, like, not really going with the herd or going with the crowd. 
Um, I've always looked at the world differently, so anyone who never bought into that way of thinking, I wouldn't even bother with. Like, um, But that's a very niche group, and a lot of the time I was closing myself off to a lot of social situations. Um, like Personally, I'd want to know what the last album you listened to or the last book you read, then what car you drive or what football match you watched. Um, and although I'll gravitate to people with a common interest even now, but at that point I would only speak to people who had a common who I had a common interest with um or the way they dressed like if they weren't a goth or a punk or in a band t-shirt then I'd have nothing in common with you and if you were on if you were a normal average joe on the street I I wouldn't even um kind of speak to you because I I was really quite judgy like that I think like looking back on it I suffered from real social anxiety people who've known me for a long time will say no you didn't or sometimes they might probably view me differently a lot of the time I use alcohol to open me up in those situations and make me feel less anxious i put myself in really challenging situations a lot of the time like I'd stand on the stage like playing to hundreds of people in bands and really get a buzz off that and you know get a buzz off that energy of um you entertaining the crowd but coming off stage and speaking to someone one-on-one had me cringing because I didn't believe what I had to say meant anything like a lot of the times I always needed to play a script in my head and when it would come out people would have moved on from the conversation some people butt in and that's my train of thought or thread gone then so I'd sit in a corner drinking beer getting really drunk and having a really boring time and sometimes got quite angry at people having a good time So I decided to learn and digest so much information about social cues, social interactions and things to do or say to get a certain reaction from someone um, to open up the conversation. And it would work up to a point. Most of it was like coming from cheesy pickup artists or and a lot of them were coming from a quite a manipulative way of talking to people because they felt angry at the world and wanted other people to suffer the way that they did. Most of the times it was covering up for their bad personalities. And yeah, it got me out there speaking to people, but gimmicky canned routines are just manipulative. Like when those routines are over or you don't have a big repertoire of canned routines for every social situation then you can find yourself becoming unstuck really quickly. And the the thing is, with a natural conversation, you need to take a genuine interest in what someone has to say because they're expressing themselves to you. And to have a conversation, that means something to both of you. Like There's no point in having a conversation to someone if you're not going to actually connect because there's no point really. What, what are you having that conversation for? People usually struggle with um, the first thing to say to people um, and that's how a lot of people can get stuck with these routines and things like that because it's, it's hard approaching someone that you don't know. Um, so if you were to say something like, hey or hello then there's absolutely nowhere to go from that unless you have something else prepared. So 
just pointing out something in the environment, something topical, that can be an icebreaker. It can um, let you both know that you're both having the same experience and you've both kind of noticed the same thing and kind of put it out there and have a bit of small talk about it. After the small talk, then you can go a bit deeper, but you have to be socially aware. And the only way to do that is to have more and more of these conversations, more and more of these um, social interactions, like starting small, such as um, even just looking at someone, making a bit more eye contact with them in the street will we'll give you more confidence to do that. So just take baby steps like... Or talking about the weather. Yeah, the weather is a really good conversation starter. It's a boring thing, especially in Britain, because like, the weather is just <laughs> so unpredictable. Like in uh, in April, you've got it snowing, hailing, sunny, rainy, windy, all in the same day. Well, all in the same couple of minutes. But um, yeah, just just saying those really short interactions can just get you warmed up for having proper conversations with people that you don't know but it's it's such it's such a difficult thing as like an adult um when your whole life you've been you've had it drummed into you saying say no or um kind of say no to strangers uh, stay away from Mm. strangers and you've got yourself kind of programmed like that um and now the only thing you want to do is is speak to like you know open open people up and speak to strangers because that's that's how you're gonna you know open yourself up to more social situations how you make friends ultimately isn't it yeah yeah um so i just think being genuine in someone in someone's interests or passions like just asking them like what you're interested in and then whatever they say just try and take a genuine interest maybe ask them more questions or maybe like empathize with them trying to get into their head try and feel what they're feeling um you know like maybe saying i bet the harp can be quite a good stress reliever can't it because you know it's such a um expressive thing like trying to you know they're they're obviously a creative person so you've got more to go with Mm. if you um break down their characteristics just think about what person they must be to be playing the guitar Mm. or being an Mm. artist or something like that Mm. i spoke earlier about extroverts like being able to pull people in and kind of um helping bringing down them social uh, barriers that you might have and um games can be like games nights can be really good at um breaking down them social barriers because you're all experiencing the same sort of thing so there's a game we played the other day with a few mates called taboo it's such a simple game you get a card with a word on that someone has to guess what it is by you describing it but there's a list of words that are taboo or that you can't say to describe it. You have to swap the groups around so it's social that way. Gets the social juices flowing and opens people up, doesn't it? Like, Frank gets quite sensitive about public embarrassments. But it opened you up, didn't it, Fran? Yeah, it's one of my biggest fears, having people laugh at something I've done or said. 
So when our friends got this game out, my heart sank inside because I didn't want to play it. I was too scared. I would embarrass myself. The first few goes, it's quite awkward, isn't it? But then sometimes mm. you can say funny things when you're guessing. Yeah. And um, sometimes putting yourself in that vulnerable, uncomfortable situation to get most from a social group, don't you? Yeah, uh, well, it definitely worked for me. If I'd have said, no, I don't want to play, I would have lost all that social interaction and bonding time. You know, it could have made me look quite rude or antisocial, which wouldn't have been the reason why I said no. It would have been because of my fears. But not everybody knows the ins and outs of your mind. I'm not necessarily saying you should do something you don't want to do. But when you put yourself through that uncomfortable situation, that's often when the growth happens. So not only did that game help me to feel more comfortable, well, you know, with that sort of game and social interaction, it helped me to learn to deal with being embarrassed when saying something stupid. You know, it helped me to laugh about it instead of getting upset and angry, which, you know, I would have done before. But it's also enhanced my friendship because I made the effort to participate in a task or a game that my friends and, and my boyfriend wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, um... Obviously, don't compromise something that you, that you wouldn't normally um, do, kind of like that you would say a hard no to. But things such as nerves or things like that can just mean getting over a social barrier to know that we shouldn't take life too seriously. Like we can loosen up in certain situations where any other time we could be closed off to. It can open doors that we wouldn't have had of otherwise. We can push ourselves through uncomfortable situations. Uh, <laughs> people are going to laugh at me now, um, especially my friends. Like, yeah, You'll find out I can go back to the start of civilization at times uh, throughout these conversations, <laughs> like talking about lions and tigers and caveman times and stuff like that. The ones that are listening are probably cracking up because I subject them to this too. Um, so social interaction, like it must have been a very high pressure thing when it first came about. Like imagine living in a tiny civilization, the way you act is going to kind of um, define your role for your probably your whole life in that social group. You could probably rise if you challenge someone, but that would probably mean a fight to the death or something. Like, say if I went up to a girl and said something stupid or socially awkward, she could get weirded out and then go and tell her friends about it. You don't find a mate and you don't get to pass your genes on. End of the bloodline. Or maybe I went and said the wrong thing to one of the guys and everybody took offence to it. Then they could probably send out a lynch mob and probably club you to death or outcast you. So your life would be endangered by social interaction and our bodies and minds don't forget this you know they have like a genetic like memory these are deep-rooted fears that we've had for a long time that's why i say we're kind of outdated machines a lot of the time you know this is why we get nervous before social interactions and the adrenaline starts pumping. Although our lives are not at stake anymore and our ability to mate isn't being threatened because there's always someone out there for someone now. You know, there are enough people on the earth to go outside your social groups and we're a lot more socially mobile than we used to be. Um, 
And it's not socially acceptable to barbarically kill someone over coffee unless you're in a TV soap or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like most of the time, um, when we fight through this anxiety, then most of the time it can become really positive on the other side of that. Like most of the time I overcome nerves or do or say something, then it can lead to really good experiences. Like that feeling of when you're... Um, about to go on a roller coaster and you you look up at like how high it is. That feeling is just there, um, to tell you, well, this could go wrong at some point. That feeling's there to remind you, oh, this could go wrong. But most of the time, that feeling makes you just stop for a minute and evaluate things, like giving us that feeling of coming out of our head and centering ourselves in our body. Like the only way to get rid of that is to either breathe through it or just dive in at the deep end and hoping you can swim, like, you know. Yeah, the more, the, the more you expose yourself to these situations, the easier it can become, you know, just taking that leap and going for it. Yeah, taking the leap of faith. Yeah. <laughs> right, I've babbled on long enough about extrovert, so let's speak about introvert. Can you tell me what an introvert is, Fran? I can indeed. An introvert is um, usually someone who enjoys their own company, you know, more than socialising with other people or in groups, you know, and don't go out their way to seek attention, all them social engagements. An introvert is often quiet and reserved and thoughtful, spending time focusing on themselves. Um, you know, that's an aspect of life which is really crucial for an introvert, you know, for them to be able to maintain their health and well-being. Yeah. I definitely think I fit the introvert category. Although I'd be lying if I said I'd rather sit on my own than sit with Carl the majority of the time. But I don't crave social interaction in the same way as Carl. I have two close friends and some more casual friends that I talk to every now and again. Compared to Carl, whose phone never stops beeping with messages. People in his bands, old friends, new friends, colleagues, old colleagues. It's not often someone messages me for a chat. And if someone does, it's usually one of two or three people. And that's just a reflection of my personality. Because I'm much more introverted, I have a smaller circle of friends than Carl. Yeah, um, that's kind of, that's the difference between me and Fran. It's like, um, she'll hate it when my phone's like always going. And <laughs> I'll kind of, I'll say to her, why don't you go out with some, <laughs> with some friends today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're complete opposites, but I'm, I'm sure that works a lot of the time in relationships. They say it? opposites attract, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do have a large family, but I'm comforted by knowing they're safe and alive. You know, I, I dread family gatherings because I find it stressful having so many people in one room together. It's not enjoyable for me the majority of the time. You know, I need time to sit in silence and chill after these meetups. You know, I'm glad when they all go. And that's not because I love them any less. But again, it's my personality and the traits of me being an introvert. You know, I find busy places much more overwhelming and harder to cope with. Until I'd met Carl, I think I'd only ever been in a pub for a wedding or a christening or something like that. Yeah, you'd never even had a drink before, had you? No, well, I, tr- I tried I tried a bit of red wine when I was younger at church once and that was it. <laughs> you know... The, the only things that ever tempts me to be in a crowd is to go watch the football or to, you know, go to a music gig. And even then, you only really have to talk with the person who you go with, and that's normally Carl. 
or my dad when I go to the football. And there's nothing wrong with being an introvert, but it can be useful to know your limitations and to make sure you push them sometimes. With me, if I don't do something regularly to build up confidence, then I find it just restricts me. So, for example, if I don't go to the town centre every now and again, I find myself not wanting to go due to, you know, anxiety. Yeah, it can. Um, this is sometimes what can make you agoraphobic. Like if you if you avoid those um, mm-hmm. situations all the time, then it can come. It can yeah. become quite uh, negative, can't it? Yeah, it can, yeah. It can actually have a negative impact on your life. Like. Yeah, especially when, when social interaction doesn't really come naturally for me. You know, I find it hard to make friends. But if I don't put myself into these social situations and practice, you know, nothing will ever get done and I won't progress in life. Social interaction is essential for daily life. But for me as an introvert, I, I find it draining. Yeah, yeah. But um, it would be boring if it was all the same, eh, Carl? <laughs> yeah. That's what makes us unique is our differences, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's important to have different qualities. And that's why we complement each other so well, Fran, I think. Yeah. Um, I've inspired and helped you to step out of your comfort zone and, you know, do things that you never thought you would, or so you say anyway. You know, yeah, definitely. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. Um, but you, you've helped me to become content with what I have, so I don't feel the need to kind of go out and socialise just to be happy. Although I still need that, I'm more content now. Um, like, I would have to fill up like all of my time. Um, like, going back to what I said earlier, like, I definitely did um, have those times where every single minute of the day was cramming something into it just to kind of distract myself from my own problems you know? yeah when i first met you you'd go out to your friends um about five times a week well, you know which there's nothing wrong with that but now you're much more content with just doing things on your own sometimes and as you said you do go upstairs to try and get away from me every now and again and spend that time on your own to distress whereas you, you didn't really do that when i first met you i don't think not so much yeah but like I, if if you think about it, I was I'd been single for for a while, and you kind of, when you, are not in a relationship, like there's a lot of empty time that you, mm. an empty kind of, place in your diary that you do fit with friends. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes that can be hard for friends to, um, kind of, adjust to. Yeah, you've you know, got to share them, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's um, it it can be difficult, like finding the balance between, you know, the time you used to spend with people, and um, being in a relationship. But you know, you you've been through it yourself. Like mm. someone can go into a relationship and then completely ditch their friends completely, can't they? You know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've experienced that. <laughs> yeah, but from a few friends. I know, and. That's okay if you, um, you know, want to um, end those social friendships and things like that. But you shouldn't, it, getting into a relationship shouldn't consume you, should it? You know, it should no. be like, 
it's just another aspect of your life, yeah. isn't it? That you, you know, you fit in. You know, it's quite common, obviously, you know, when you get into a relationship, the, the amount you spend, time you spend with your friends will naturally reduce. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't disappear completely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've been, they've been there for you for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So you still need to make some time with them in, you know, some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, that, that's what hurts when people do kind of um, just let you go once they've been in a relationship because that means that they kind of just kind of using you then because you know just using you for that um type of filling that gap you know or or um yeah or or just being codependent on someone i do think that's what it feels like i don't think that's always the intention it is quite easy when you get in a new relationship to completely be utterly distracted and not have a you know consideration in the world for anybody else because you're so consumed with you know what this new change that's this new positive change in your life yeah but it, it does make you feel that way doesn't it i think i think at the start when you've got like loads of it like adrenaline loads of endorphins loads of different chemicals that you know a, a, a relationship gives you that that love gives you that um your friends couldn't couldn't and you want to feel that more but kind of after all them things kind of die down i think at that point you should kind of try and reevaluate where um where they fit into your life and make time for them because you need them friendships sometimes relationships um you know don't go the way you want them to, and then friends will always be there for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to really quickly mention um, a few different types of social interaction, just because I think it's interesting. Um, Apparently, the most common types are exchange, competition, conflict, cooperation, and accommodation. So just, just to touch on them really quickly, um, exchange of, you know, social interactions... Competition between people, conflict and disagreement, cooperating with people and working together, and accommodation, which means having a balance between cooperation and conflict, you know, what you give or take to achieve the middle ground. And I guess that's probably what you need the most in a band. <laughs> a little bit of that um, accommodation. Yeah. Um, it's just, I just think it's... Um... It's a male thing, isn't it, to try and get your point across. It's a it's a very um Yeah, I wanna point out that all Carl's bandmates are male. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very um like even if you don't want to come across as uh like pushy? Yeah. You need to at least stand your ground with with things that you think should happen. But then yeah. when there's an equal number of, of people it it can be quite hard to find that middle ground when you've got five. That's perfect because you can do a like majority <laughs> vote there, yeah. and someone's always going to get outvoted. But yeah. democracy rules, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you found that as interesting as me, but I just thought it was quite interesting. Them, um, you know. Yeah. No. Definitely. I think a lot of people can get quite. Um, carried away with 
um, the conflict and disagreement thing. And sometimes they can just end relationships because they're not getting kind of their own way at a lot of points. And everything is about compromise. Like you, you're you're a, a different person to the person that you're uh, socialising with, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And this leads on well, Carl, to the next part where we discuss relationships. A massive part of our social interaction is trying to form, you know, or maintain relationships with our friends, family, work colleagues, you know, our girlfriend or our boyfriend, many, many more. But do we actually know the characteristics of a healthy relationship? Are all of our relationships healthy? You know, if not... Is this our doing? Do we need to change? You know, is this relationship worth fighting for? There are a few characteristics to having a healthy relationship. So we're only going to mention a few of them now. Um, So one of them is mutual respect. Each person should value the other and understand their boundaries. Trust. Each person should be able to trust each other completely. Honesty. Each person should be honest to each other. This helps to build up trust. Compromise. Each person should acknowledge each other's point of view and be willing to give and take. Good communication. Each person should be able to speak openly and honestly to each other about aspects of their relationship. And understanding. Each person should take time to try to understand how the other might be feeling. So in contrast, we're now going to mention some of the characteristics of an unhealthy relationship. So control, if one person makes a lot of the decisions and tells the other person what to do, you know, sets them rules. Dishonesty, one or both persons lies or keeps information from the other, you know, or steals from the other. Disrespect, one or both persons makes fun of the opinions or interests of the other person or destroy something belonging to the other. Yeah, that one um, makes fun. You've got to keep it in context with yeah. um, kind of... If it's humorous and it's done jokingly and yeah, if but, it's done in jest. But if it's on your insecurities, you know, that's a bit different. That's damaging then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely not. You don't want to ridicule the other person. No, no, no. Um, the next one, dependence. So one or both persons feel that you know, they couldn't live without the other. And the last one, abuse. Physical, domestic violence, sexual, emotional, financial or discriminatory. We thought we'd put that one in because we owe no one anything and we do not need to stay in a relationship for the sake of it. For example, it can be difficult to end a relationship with a family member as they are blood, but if they're not giving you any value or joy, or making your life better, we don't have to socialise with them if we don't want to. We feel like there's an expectation to maintain relationships with family, simply because they're family. And yeah, I think we do um, forgive more and give family more chances, but ultimately it's our choice and we have control over who we socialise with, don't we? Yeah, I mean, I know everybody's situation is different, And it's not just as easy to walk away from any form of relationship. But if you have identified that one or more of your relationships are unhealthy, then it's it's worth thinking about whether the relationship is worth saving or not. And if it's not, 
which is the best, most appropriate or safest way of trying to end the relationship. I think it's important to quickly touch on hostile relationships, though it can be extremely difficult to leave these relationships, but there is support that you can access for help in breaking down the relationship. Everyone has different characteristics in a relationship, and I think it can be useful to assess what qualities we possess. Being self-aware has so many benefits. It allows you to consider your faults in the relationship and reflect on what you can do to work on your negatives. Yeah, um, for me personally, I've always been very self-aware, you know, in any kind of relationship. Um, I'm, and I'm very good at deciding if it's healthy and beneficial for me. And if it's not, I distance myself. You know, I'm definitely of the mindset that I only want people in my life that make me happy and bring me joy. I know nobody's perfect, but if the bad, you know, and the annoyance becomes greater than the good that they bring you and to your life, then what's the point? But I am also irritable and people annoy me easily. You know, I sometimes wonder if my expectations are too high, but I don't find it easy to give the benefit of the doubt. And I do hold a grudge. So these are things that I've been trying to work on recently to ensure that if any of my relationships break down, I've done everything I can to do, you know, to try and maintain the relationship. Whereas I think Carl is the opposite. He'll go out of his way to keep the peace and will try really hard to maintain a relationship for as long as possible until there's just no way forward. Would you agree with me there, Carl? Yeah, I am. And I think it's changed over the last few years. And it it's okay to remember that you don't have to just um, end a relationship completely, like end a friendship or, you know, you can take a break from them people um, to assess what's what's going on. And, you know, sometimes you'll think of something and you'll think, oh, that was a good memory. You know, I kind of missed that person. And sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't need to be... Um, a broken down relationship sometimes you just need some space from someone don't you yeah know? yeah it doesn't mean that just because you're annoyed with someone or if you're a bit cheesed off with what they said that you have to break down that relationship straight away you know sometimes um like when someone says oh i'm gonna make a complaint about this sometimes they just have to sit down and reflect and sometimes they'll just rip that complaint uh, procedure mm. and put it in the bin. Yeah, I think that's what you're good at though, that I'm not. I'm very quick with making my decisions. You know, if if I if somebody really annoys me, I, I'm quite quick to evaluate whether I think it's beneficial or not. You know, and I think recently I have realised that, you know, just because it might not be beneficial in that moment, it doesn't mean it won't be beneficial in a couple of months' time, you know, rather than never speaking to them again. Yeah, yeah. You've done that, haven't you? You've um, kind of reassessed people's relationships and then thought, oh, my God, that that was so silly at that point to yeah, kind of... I have recently. ...ruin that relationship and not have kind of that... Yeah. ...that person in your life it's, just because something they said or did. Yeah, but, but that something that they said or did has definitely changed the relationship. Mm. You know, it's closed off a section of the relationship and you know made me realize you know if i if i've got this need i don't go to them 
yeah, but yeah. there's still value in that relationship, and that is something that I've been, I have learned, and been, you know, still trying to learn. Yeah, but that's forward. Yeah, but but that's sometimes where um, open, being open and honest with someone in that relationship is kind of where the um, where it becomes mm. place for growth. Sometimes, like your um kind of forgot what I was gonna say here, but <laughs> if say if someone says to you, please don't say that or you you're being a bit of an idiot there, then sometimes that can make you reevaluate yourself and think, Oh yeah, yeah, I was. Um and I think sometimes you can push your luck with your friends. Sometimes you can yeah. you can push your luck with the relationships and like go a bit too far, you know, and and kind of that's sometimes where the boundaries, uh, that's somewhere sometimes where you find the boundaries, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's definitely good to be honest with people because if you have that honest conversation and say, "Look here, you've upset me. Look here, I don't agree with that. That you know that that doesn't resonate with me." If they're not willing to accommodate they're not willing to compromise and adapt the relationship, then at least you know you did everything you could to try and maintain it. And if then it's sort of, if, if they choose not to be receptive to that, that's sort of on them then, isn't it? Not on you. Yeah. So I think you've done the right thing by being honest. If they if they take that in a bad way and can't handle it, that's their fault, not yours. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you've got to... It's give and take, isn't it? Yeah. In in relationships, yeah. you know, you, any you can't... sort of relationship or friendship. Yeah, you, you don't, you shouldn't just blame yourself because it was a two way thing. Yeah. Um, I think that we, it just comes back to a lot of the um, techniques we've been speaking to before, like self compassion and things like mm. that. Like, if you've done something wrong, or if you or if you've done something bad, own it, and kind of. Say all right then. Sorry, I I overstepped the line, and you know I I think a lot of relationships will will be a bit more stronger if you can get through them sort of um, bad patches. You know we've been there, and and we've come out the other side. Sometimes it can really make you a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah. Just own it. Own your mistakes. Own your thoughts. Own your feelings. Be open and honest. You display all them good characteristics. You know of a healthy relationship and if it breaks down you've done all you can yeah you've definitely. done all you can yeah i think we could go on about this all all day <laughs> um yeah i went off on a bit of a tangent there but I'd, I'd say i'm flexible with my boundaries and different boundaries can be set in different groups like um i've got about six different social groups that i'm part of and a few more kind of one-on-one social relationships um, I play a different role in every one of them and I won't be a different person but there are different expectations um, different um, goals different um, wants and needs like I wouldn't talk to one set of people about politics or religion anymore because boundaries have been set and we don't agree on certain things but it is a two-way thing. So, like, if if I was to say I'm not going to socialise with that group because we don't agree on this and that, 
then I'd be cutting myself off from that and the opportunities it gives me. And sometimes, well, I just won't say that in, in this certain group. But also, when you put another person into the groups, the dynamics can shift and your roles can shift with that. Like, that's why, although it would be cool to get them all in a room together, like all of my friends at a birthday party or something, to see how many friends we've got or, you know, something like that would be quite mm -hmm. cool. But mixing friendship groups, like, in a kind of formal way is... Not always the best it's, idea, is it's it? It's a risky move. <laughs> it is a risky move. Because being that person in the background when people are talking all these inside jokes and reminiscing on things that they've done that you can't relate to, that just sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, there's always a bit of competition to be the best friend, to be the best social group. And <laughs> your friends never like each other. Whether they feel competitive or not, deep down, there always is. <laughs> yeah that i'm his best friend but that's why I, I i never call anyone my best friend um that's kind of everyone feels left out like say the really old tradition of having a best man it's just kind of oh well why aren't i the why why aren't i the best man what what have they done that i haven't mm. you know, that's the thing with having a big social group like you just you're just open to that if you put it out there. But um, sometimes I just find it hard to juggle all those friendship groups. Three bands, jamming with other people, ghost hunting, working in a full-time job, having a relationship, having a family life. It could be overwhelming. <laughs> well, I can only imagine, you know, it's just me, my two friends, my mum and dad and my colouring book, <laughs> my, you know, my laptop. That's all I got to juggle. <laughs> Well, that's just what you want to do, isn't it? And kind of, I have so many goals that I want to do, so many things that I um, want to achieve. And like, there's just not, not enough time in the day to do it. And putting my heart and soul into all of that can just become completely exhausting, you know. Um yeah, I won't go on too much. I think social structures and relationships are so complex. Yeah. And so personal as well, aren't they? Yeah, we could speak about this all day. But we'll let you get off and enjoy your new lease of freedom. <laughs> Bring on the summer. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so for next week, we're going to do a question and answer about the funny things people have done throughout lockdown and throughout this pandemic. Maybe it's a habit that you picked up or just something random. We want to address lockdown, but we want to make it fun and lighthearted. So in the comment section, or you can message us if you want it to be left anonymous. We'd just like to remain positive throughout this lockdown, um, throughout this roadmap period. And although it's been negative for a lot of people, there has been a lot of good that has come out of it as well, hasn't there? There's been quite a bit of um a bit more of a social spirit a bit more of a um kind of community spirit yeah hasn't there? more appreciation for the little things that that we have now and that we'll be able to do as lockdown eases so yeah let us know you know your what you've been doing what your thoughts have been and anything positive anything happy we'd love to hear it thank you see ya Thank you for listening, and if this information was valuable to you, or you think it might be for somebody else, then like, 
comment or share. To get more of this content, hit that subscribe button. And if you're watching on YouTube, ring that bell. It'll notify you every time we upload. Check out our weekly blog at mind-fruit.co.uk. We hope to see you next week for Wellbeing Wednesday.